Uh, many of you guys here, you've been following Jesus for a while. Uh, some of you guys are in a place right now where you're making the decision to make a choice to follow Jesus and be one of his disciples. And I want to say quickly uh, that following Jesus is the best thing that you can do in your life. It's the best investment that you can ever make is to know Jesus and to make him known. I want to show a video really quickly to you of an individual that was healed. And this individual was in a wheelchair for 12 years. And I want to tell you, before uh, I show this video, this video is really important to me because uh, my cousin had cerebral palsy. My cousin had cerebral palsy, and many years ago, I'd prayed for my cousin, and, um, and I didn't see her healed. And uh, my cousin actually died of cerebral palsy. She was in a, a wheelchair uh, for many years, and uh, she, was, uh, she, was fe she was fed with a tube, and so she was really never able to eat on her own. And I remember uh, years ago uh, reading the Bible and saying, Lord, I believe that these signs will follow those who believe. And, and so I prayed for her, and I didn't see anything take place. She didn't get healed. And I knew in that moment I had a decision to make. How many people know that we have a decision to make when we face disappointment? And I was extremely disappointed that I didn't get to see my uh, cousin healed. And, but for me, it was like a turning point in my faith that, that I would seek God no matter what, no matter what happened in my life, no matter the disappointments in my life, I would seek God and I would be fervent in my faith. And in that moment, I, I began to dive into the scriptures and, and I didn't make excuses for my disappointment and I didn't, I didn't create theology around my disappointment. I was honest with Jesus and I said, God, I just don't understand, but I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful, but I don't understand and I'm not gonna back down and I'm not gonna make excuses of why I'm not gonna go after you with everything inside of my heart and my life. And I'm so glad that I did not create a, a theology around my disappointment, but I kept going for it. And today we have seen thousands of people healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of our team members was able to pray for this lady. And I was so excited when we saw this testimony. Why don't you show that video? My life before the disease, I was very active. You know, I had a full-time job. I would go to the gym. I would go out to dinner and go to the movies, all sorts of things. I was very active. Once the disease took place, I kind of became a hermit. I was very depressed, severely depressed actually. It was a very difficult time because I didn't really know what my purpose was. I had dreams, I had things that I wanted to do and I thought, there's no way that this can happen now. I had gone to Fish Fest with a friend of mine, she's a neighbor of mine, and we got to see um, some of the music and everything, and I was just kind of sitting in my wheelchair waiting for her to come back. I had some gentlemen approach me from Compassion to Action, and they asked if they could pray for me, and I said yes. I actually didn't feel anything at first, you know. It was, they were praying for me, and then um, all of a sudden I felt some warmth, and then I felt some, um, electricity going into my legs and it was so exciting and I it, it scared me a little bit at first because I was like what is this you know um, and so it the electricity came the warmth came and um, out uh, faith the young men told me to just step out in faith and walk and I was like okay I'm gonna do this and I did and I was kind of wobbly at first and it was, it was scary because you know I, I didn't want to fall but all of a sudden I felt like there were these 
braces on my legs that were strengthening my legs. It was just supernatural and it was, it was so awesome. I can't explain the, the feeling, but it was like there were these braces on my leg and all of a sudden my legs had strength, strength that they never had before. I felt like a new lease on life. Just the, just the power of God is just so awesome. And I, I can't say that enough. I just keep saying awesome, awesome, awesome. That's my newfound word for it because there's just no other way to, to describe it. God's love is really, He does love us and um, he loves me. I struggled with um, the depression and just um, not feeling like he loved me. And, um, does. You know, over 2,000 years ago, this man named Jesus Christ, he hung on a bloody cross. He looked out into the future, into this present moment, to this present hour, to this present second. And he saw you. And he says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And as he hung on that cross, he not only died for our sins, but he died for our pain. He died for our sickness. He died for our disease. And the power of Jesus is here today. And he not only wants to heal the heart, heal the soul, the emotions of people's hearts and lives, but he wants to heal people's bodies. Janie uh, has been so touched by God that she, um, she is now uh, teaching people about healing, and she's, leading, uh, heal she's starting to lead healing services where she'll share her testimony and invite other people to experience the presence of God as they put their faith in Jesus. And this afternoon, I, I believe that there's an atmosphere of faith. And I'm going to talk about the, the simplicity of following Jesus and, and loving him and really uh, making him known. And, you know, 95% of the Christian life has to do with our heart. 5% has to do with our giftings. 95% has to do with our heart. And I believe that God's raising up a generation that, that will live 100% for Jesus. Uh, 
the last uh, few years, a year, the last two years, uh, we've developed a ministry called Compassion to Action. And it's been something that God's birthed. And I was the outreach director at Bethel Church for years. I was at Bethel for, for 18 years. And I don't, have to, I don't have time to get into the details of our transition. Um, but the team, my family, we really felt like God was calling and sending us to Portland. So we live in Portland right now, just outside of Portland, Oregon. And God's doing some amazing things. Last year, we sent teams to around 40 universities to impact uh, universities for Jesus Christ. We have such a desire to, to reach this young generation. I believe that God's doing things right now in America around universities and uh, where the future leaders are at. And I want us to turn to our Bibles to Mark chapter 1 this afternoon. And I'm going to talk about following Jesus. And I know that there's people here that you're at uh, almost the starting point of starting your relationship with Jesus. You know, there's people here that just recently given your life to Christ and you're excited about following Jesus. And, and there's some people that are a little bit more seasoned and you've been following Jesus for a while. And today's message is for every individual, whether you're uh, uh, starting your journey, you're about ready to start your journey with Jesus Christ, or you've been living for Jesus for quite a while, and, uh, or uh, you're at a place where you, you just don't know what to do with your life. And you may be an agnostic, and I would say, uh, congratulations uh, because you are going to believe and you're going to give your life to Christ and follow him wholeheartedly. I've never really met a true atheist that's open. I never really met a true atheist that's open. I met a lot of people that said that they're an atheist, but after they have an encounter with Jesus Christ, they're no longer an atheist. Now they may be an agnostic, and they're one step closer to surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's wonderful power that comes in surrender. And um, uh, as you're turning your Bible, John or Mark chapter 1, verse 14. If I could have a Kleenex, please. That'd be great. I'm kind of one of those uh, speakers that sometimes cry because I, I've got... Thank you so much that that was a clean Kleenex. Uh, I mean... <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, there's it, nothing worse than having someone offer you a dirty Kleenex that was in their pocket. I mean, I, I speak a lot of different places, and I've asked people, say, hey, can I Kleenex? And I mean, it's typically all the older people, to be honest with you. I mean, they'll come up to me, and they'll say, out of compassion, and like, oh, here you go, you know, and uh, it's all wrinkled up, you know, and I'm like, well, thank you so very much. And I try to be polite to them, but can I say, uh, you know, can I actually have another Kleenex, please? And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so thank you so very much. Uh, okay, Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And as you're watching that video, how many people you can feel faith in your heart? You feel faith in your heart. Anything's possible right now. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 says, Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Verse 16, and he walked by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and Andrew, his brothers, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. 
Verse 18, it says, And then immediately they left their nets and followed him. And when they had gone a little bit further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with them and the hired servants and went after him. I think this is an incredible story because Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He already spoke about repentance. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the reason why we are speaking about repentance is because it's possible to have ideas but never have a transformed heart. And Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, I brought more or less, I brought my world with me. But unless you have a transformed mind and a transformed heart, you'll never be able to receive or perceive the world that's in front of you. And then he goes by the sea and he says, hey, guys, come and follow me. And these guys are fishermen. They're uneducated individuals. They're fishermen. It's their occupation. And uh, they say, and Jesus says to these young guys, come and follow me. And something happens inside of them when Jesus says, come and follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So they leave their nets, they leave their occupation, and they go on a little bit further, and, they, they, and Jesus sees a couple other guys, and, and they're with their father. It's the family business, and Jesus, once again, he calls them, and they leave their father, they leave the business, and they follow Jesus. Here's the thing. Jesus never told them where he was going. Jesus never gave them a five-year plan. They knew nothing but just the voice of Jesus. And Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Oftentimes when God asks us to follow him, he doesn't tell us and he doesn't show us the full picture. Following Jesus has everything to do with faith and surrender. These young guys, in that moment when they heard the voice of Jesus, something came alive inside of them. This is, yeah, this person, I, I don't know really too much about him, but something happens to my heart when I hear him speak. Something comes alive. So I'm going to actually leave the business that I've been raised in, and I'm going to follow this person. I'm going to leave my father behind, and I'm going to follow this person. Somehow when he speaks, I'm coming alive. And I feel like the Lord has created each and every one of us to live with faith. He's called us to live a life of faith that says, Jesus, here's my life. I want to follow you at all cost. My, uh, my little girl, my wife and I, my beautiful wife, Stephanie, uh, we've been married for 10 years. And uh, we have a little girl, and her name is Brielle Shalom. I don't have the picture to show you, but she's a, she's a little princess. And, and uh, Brielle has uh, sometimes an attitude. She's uh, almost four years old, and she'll, she'll have an attitude sometimes. And, and one of the things that I get to do as a father is I get to help parent her attitude. Not so much her actions, but her attitude. And I remember us uh, taking a family walk, and as we were taking a walk, um, uh, Brielle began to have a bad attitude. And I said to Brielle, I said, Brielle, I need you to change your attitude right now. And she looked at me and she said, I don't want to. And, we, uh, and I, I said, Brielle, I need you to change your attitude right now. This is a warning. If you continue with your bad attitude, what's going to happen is you and I are going to walk home while mommy finishes her walk. Do I make myself clear? And she says, 
I don't want to. I said, okay, Brielle, let's go home. So Brielle and I uh, walk home, and I said, Brielle, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have an attitude change, an attitude change. And I'm going to have you sit in your chair over here, and I'm going to have you think about your attitude. Do you know following Jesus Christ has a lot to do with your heart attitude? Your heart attitude? And so Brielle sits in the chair, and uh, I give her like a minute to be able to uh, allow her to change her attitude. And I said, Brielle, I'm going I'm to be back in about a minute. Uh, I, I want to see a change of your attitude. I come back, and I said, Brielle, have you had an attitude change? Is your, is your attitude different? She says, no. I said, okay, we'll see you later. I'll, I'll come back in just a little bit. I'm going to give you another opportunity to have your attitude changed. Sometimes the Christian life, we think it's okay to have bad attitudes. In fact, we can even listen to books about having bad attitudes and thinking it's okay because we live in a society society that everyone has bad attitudes but if you were going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ we have to have an attitude of faith an attitude of faith and trust so I come back again and and I, I say Brielle how's your attitude she says daddy I'm sorry I'm sorry I had a bad attitude I changed my attitude, Daddy. I'm really sorry. And I said, are you, are you want to go back on the walk now? She says, yes. I got a fresh start. I said, that's right, bro. You got a fresh start. You got a fresh start. And that's what Christ offers for any individual a fresh start. You know, especially if we've had a bad attitude or if there's things that we've done that we know aren't right. When we repent... What happens is God gives us a fresh start. So uh, we start walking, and she sees Mommy, and uh, she says, Mommy, Mommy, I changed my attitude. I got a fresh start, and she's excited about a fresh start. The rest of the day, she's just so excited about her fresh start. I'm convinced that God wants to give people fresh starts today. He wants to give people a fresh start in their heart, and it has everything to do with people's hearts. Why don't you turn over to James? James chapter 3. How many people appreciate the word of God? You know, um, Hebrews 4 says this For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. The word of God is also the discerner of thoughts and the tents of the heart. You know, with God, nothing is hidden, He sees everything. But in James 3, verse 13, we're going to talk a little bit about following Jesus with attitudes. And I felt that the Lord wants to, uh, really in 2019, he wants to release an attitude of faith. An attitude of faith and, and recognizing there are sometimes in the society that we live in, attitudes that are anti-Christ attitudes that try to come in and settle in even into the Christian hearts even into the Christian hearts and their anti-Christ attitudes. But in the world, they're celebrated. They're like, yeah, that's really good. That's good. Yeah, we'll stand for that. We'll stand for that. And uh, that's good. But, but a lot of times when it comes in the church, we don't realize, but that's an anti-Christ spirit. It's an anti-Christ anointing and it's anti-Christ spirit to shut someone's heart up that's not full of love. Let's check this out. 
James chapter 3, verse 13. And then we're going to jump back into Mark 1, and then we're going to pray for each other. James, 13, uh, James 3, verse 13, says this. Who is wise? That's the question. Who is wise? In society, we, we actually put categories of wisdom. We think that, especially around universities, we go to a lot of universities, and, uh, and we think that wisdom looks this way. But here's the question that James is asking. He says, who is wise? Who is wise and who is an, an understanding among you? Who's the wise one? Who's the ones that have understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter, envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. It's not from God. But it's earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy, self-seeking exists, confusion in every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 95% of the Christian life has to do with someone's heart. 5% has to do with the giftings. And there's a generation that is on the rise right now that has fire in their eyes, pierding the bride with no compromise. They are the ones that have given themselves over completely to the Lord. And they heard the voice of the Lord. You know, it's in every individual's DNA that called on the Lord to hear his voice. Hear the voice of the shepherd. In the midst, in the beginning of your spiritual conception, when you got what we call from John chapter 3, born again, you heard the voice of God. You heard God's voice. And the Bible says this, his sheep hear his voice. And here we see Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he said, come and follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. One of the things I've discovered as I'm following Jesus, the number one thing that I have to do following Jesus is watch over this. Watch over this. Have you ever been in relationships or amongst individuals that they have all the right Christian language, but they do not demonstrate a Christian heart. They have all the right Christian language, but they do not demonstrate the Christian heart. Growing up, you know, I, I was raised in the church. I, I joke about it a lot that, you know, you could be uh, going to church, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Um, just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger <laughs> or a French fry or a milkshake. And um, in fact, when, when, we, when we get to heaven, when we stand before him and we give an account of our life, um, Jesus is not going to ask you about your church attendance. 
Now, I've been at some churches where you actually have to sign your name that, that you've actually showed up that Sunday because it's, it's more about showing up on Sunday than actually following Jesus and obeying him. But Jesus is not going to be there as, oh, wow, okay, this is how many years you were alive. This is how many Sundays you showed up. Jesus is going to find out about your heart. He's going to look really directly. He's going to, he knows the heart. He examines the heart and the motives. Growing up, like I said, I, I, I was raised in, in the church, but just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. And I chose a lifestyle that was very destructive in the midst of being in the church. And I, I got on drugs and alcohol at a very young age. And because of the bad choices that I made, I, I began to be a very abusive individual to family members. And uh, one of those family members was, was my brother, my younger brother. And I, I remember at a very young age, you know, when I would get high or when I would get drunk, I would, I would abuse my brother. I would physically beat my brother and I had darkness living inside of me. And I thought it was actually funny to see people suffer. And uh, there were demonic spirits. Now, anyone that lives like that, they're influenced by demons. And I know that I was being influenced by demons. And my brother, my brother uh, suffered much uh, from the pain that I influenced in his life. Fast forward, I get saved. I get, I get transformed by Jesus, and I begin to ask my brother to forgive me. And, uh, and once again, forgiveness comes out of the heart. And I asked my brother to forgive me for years and years and years and years, and he wouldn't forgive me. And I remember calling him, and I'd say, Tim, would you please forgive me? And he'd hang up on me. Tim, would you please forgive me? And he'd hang up on me. Tim, would you please forgive me? And he'd hang up on me. Finally, about seven years ago, Tim calls me. Now, this was new. This is a big deal. My brother never called me. And he called me and he said this, Chris, I got to talk to you. He said, God's been speaking to me. I paused for a second. God has been speaking to you. He wasn't living for the Lord. You know, it just, he's had a, he had a real rough life full of anger, full of bitterness. He says, God's been speaking to me. And this is what he told me, Chris. He said, if I was going to follow him, he told me that I had to forgive you. He told me I had to forgive people. If I was really going to be his disciple, I had to forgive. And I couldn't carry this stuff with me anymore. I have to forgive and then he said to me, as tears are running down his face, weeping and crying over the phone, he says, and that's what I'm choosing to do today. Forgiveness is a choice, but it's also a commandment. Forgiveness is a choice, but it's also a commandment. The invitation for my brother was, if you really want to be my disciple, Jesus speaking to his heart, you have to forgive your brother for everything that he did to you. And you have to forgive others as well. So over the phone, this is what he says. So today, 
I'm choosing to do that because I want to follow Jesus. He's doing something inside of me. He starts weeping, crying on the phone. He says, Chris, I forgive you for everything you did to me when I was young and how you hurt me and how you abused me and how you beat me and all the pain that you brought into my life. I forgive you and I release you from that. And, I, and, he just, and he just begins to pray blessings over me. And I start weeping and crying because since I've gotten saved, that's all I ever wanted was to see my family members that I brought pain to and hurt to, that our relationship would be restored. And other people that I brought pain in their life, that their hearts would be restored as well. And I start praying for my brother. And something happens in that moment as I'm praying. The Spirit of God came over me over the telephone. And I said, Tim, God says that you'll be a worship leader. And God will use you in mighty ways. That you'll be a worship leader one day. And God will use you in a powerful way. Thank you very much. That you'll be a worship leader one day. Today, he is a worship leader outside of St. Louis, Missouri. God's been using him in a powerful way. And God has put it in his heart and his wife's heart and their children's heart to move to outside of Portland, Oregon, to join us as families to work together. It's only a miracle what God can do. It's only a miracle. And I know that the miracle power of Jesus is here this afternoon. A miracle to heal bodies, but also a miracle to heal hearts. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? The wisdom of the Lord is to hold no unforgiveness, no bitterness, no anger in the hearts, but to let go. And say, Lord, I trust you with my heart and my life. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. What are the number one signs of a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is they want to please Jesus. They want to please Jesus. They don't want to hold on to things that grieve his heart, that grieve the Holy Spirit, that quench the Holy Spirit. Deep down inside of a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone that wants to be pleasing to Jesus. Someone that wants to follow him. God, I feel the spirit of God here this afternoon. Where relationships will be restored. Lives will be restored. The Bible says that broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad's the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way leads to life. You know, it takes a true man or a true woman of God to follow Jesus. We live in a society that we want only what we can see. But Jesus looks for people that will just believe. That will just believe with all their heart. Choose to follow him in the good times but also and the bad times, and the tough times, and the times that we don't understand, and the times that feel really unfair, 
the times that we questioned, why did that person do that? Why did that person say that? Why did that person act that way? God looks at our hearts and our response. He says, will you keep following me regardless of what happens? Regardless of how you're treated. Regardless, if no one else will follow me, will you follow me? Jesus had a communion meal with some of his disciples. And he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And many of them were offended. A lot of times in culture and society, people are so offended. And instead of trust and heart-to-heart connection, when things don't go the way that they want, they get offended, which reveals their heart, which reveals the tune-up that God needs to do in their heart. Jesus says to the disciples, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And some of them said, well, this is a hard saying. This is a saying that we don't understand. Jesus, up until this point, you were really cool. We like the miracles. The blind eyes, that was new for us. We never saw anything like that. The deaf ears, that was wild. We even like how you fed the 5,000 out of a couple loaves and fishes. That was amazing. But now you're going a little bit too far, and I don't understand this, and you're freaking me out, Jesus. So I'm going to abandon everything else. I'm going to go my way. Interesting about Jesus, Jesus never stopped and said, whoa, 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 hold on, guys. Just a second. Let's just have another conversation. Can we go back to the seat? We have a conversation. I, I hope I don't think you understood what I really meant. Please, guys, don't don't leave. Jesus didn't beg anyone to become a disciple. He didn't beg people. He gave them an opportunity. He said, "This is the path." He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Any other way will lead you to destruction. But if you want life, well, I'm here right now. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Spirit of God is here. He's here to give people tune-ups. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me about forgiveness. Anytime I preach this message about forgiveness... There are many people that need to forgive because the Spirit of the Lord quickens my heart. One of the things that you'll notice when, when you have unforgiveness is your vision is not clear. You have a cloudy mind. When you have bitterness, you have jealousy, envy, you have a cloudy mind. Your mind is cloudy. You're distracted. I, I had a, um, a rifle... <laughs> I went shooting, and my sights were off on the target, but I thought my sights were on. I thought I was going to be completely on target. What happens when bitterness comes inside, envy, jealousy, 
all those kinds of things, unforgiveness, you actually think you're right on target and everyone else is off target. And you think, yeah, I'm absolutely on target. But then when you shoot, you realize, I'm way off. My sights were completely off on my gun. But I thought I was completely on target. I did readjust my sights. How do we readjust our spiritual sights? Allowing God to give us a fresh start. Allowing God to give us a fresh start in 2019. So we say, God, I want my heart to remain pure. I want to go after you. I want to pursue you with everything inside of my heart and my life. I want to know you. I want to make you known. If that's you, you, you know that this message is at home this afternoon. You feel it. Maybe you've had bitterness, different things going on in your heart that, that's been influencing you. And you know that it's not what God has for you. And you want to break up with those influences. You want to shut the door to those influences and allow his light, his love, and really his fresh start to come into your heart so that you can say in your heart like my brother, I want to follow him with everything. And I don't want this to stunt my development as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If that's you, just quickly stand to your feet.